0: The Once and Future Nerd Book 1 Princes of Jordan Chapter 2 Life in a Corner Episode 1 Verona Regan had just had five men she didn't know try to kill her and survived with the help of one man, one elf, one woman, and three children whom she also did not know. Also some flaming brandy. Sadly, this was not nearly as surprising to her as the news her new acquaintances brought.
1: I'm a fucking princess?
2: More than a princess. Sole heir to the High Throne.
1: And this is the first time anyone thought to let me know.
2: Don't play the child. You understand legitimacy?
1: Yeah, it means I grew up hungry just because someone didn't want to admit to his friends where he'd been sticking his royal cock.
3: Mind your filthy tongue.
1: Or what? I'm royalty, right?
3: Part of being royalty is acting as becomes your title.
1: Go fuck yourself, splinter pole. Oh wait, that wasn't very ladylike. Excuse me. Hark! Verily, I hereby decree that you all shall fuck yourselves. How's that?
3: You are certain she's the one.
1: I'm gonna need that decree honored if you want me to believe this story you're telling.
3: I'm offering you a new
2: life. You'll want for nothing?
1: Sorry, not buying it. Who says wherever you take me, half the city guard isn't waiting for me?
2: I've only my word to offer.
0: In Regan's experience, a man offering her only his word invariably intended to rob her blind and murder her. With a look of contempt, she rose to leave. It
4: must be exhausting, sister. Always waiting for the next betrayal. Come with us and look over your shoulder just long enough to find out if the general speaks true. Stay and look over your shoulder for the rest of your life.
0: As Regan weighed Nia's words, she saw with a tinge of regret a wasted, charred piece of meat on the floor, her table knife still protruding from it. And next to it, with much more regret, she saw a steak she didn't finish.
1: Let's say I go along with this. I'd have to pop out some noble asshole's shitty kids, right?
2: Not immediately, but for the Tarlo here to protect your rule throughout your life, yes, you would need to produce an heir. Fuck that. Think of the influence you would have
4: Queen Dagmar, peaceful be her rest, did a great deal of charity in this very city, educating and feeding the unfortunate children like yourself.
1: If they're willing to suckle the royal tit for a few little drops, they're not like me.
3: Then think of the power. You are the kind who takes rather than asks, I can tell. And by yourself, you've taken a modest little living down in this God's forsaken hole. Imagine what you could take with a few thousand swords at your command.
0: Regan was beginning to recognize the appeal of this offer when Yilloween was startled by a sound too faint for his companions to hear. Someone's coming.
3: Armed men, about a score. Fuck,
1: city guard. Was this the plan, assholes? Keep me talking until they showed up? We had planned this, why would the elf warn you they were coming?
3: Everyone
2: remain calm. The king's crest will stay the city guard.
1: Good idea. Why don't you just walk over there and talk to them?
0: Brennan appeared to have misunderstood Regan's sarcasm as he strode to the door expecting just such a conversation. The guards initiated conversation by lobbing an incendiary device at the door of the tavern. The fire spread rapidly, igniting the sawdust that covered the floor.
2: Holy shit! Fire! Behind the bar. Get beer. Your plan is to start drinking? For the fire, you idiot. God
5: damn it, where did the Regan go? Places like this always have a trapdoor or a secret exit or something. I bet the rogue snuck out.
1: Damn it, Nelson, this isn't one of your games. These aren't characters, that's a real fire, and we're all really going to die. Kaladin's mercy, the boy was right. Everyone,
4: climb in here.
0: There was indeed a trapdoor, located in the floor behind the bar. Billy jumped in, feet first, without regard to what lay within. I suppose he assumed that nothing could be worse than the fire above. In fact, many things lurking in the sewers of Armstrong Guard were much, much worse than the fire. But luckily, only one of them was present in this sewer at this moment.
2: Is everyone all right?
1: How'd they like the King's crest?
0: The aforementioned thing lurking in the sewer emerged from the shadows carrying a mud-crusted bedroll. An explosion from above shook the tunnel.
1: That'll be the last of this year's brandy going up in flame. So I guess the gods really are dead.
3: Were you going to tell us
1: about that trapdoor? I still wasn't convinced you hadn't called in the cavalry on me. Plus, I figured you probably couldn't lead me to a lifetime of wealth if you couldn't survive a dance with a city god.
3: You're quick to accuse the city god, yet you never saw our attackers.
1: Burning down a whole building on the off chance I'm in it? You gotta be city god.
3: Man. I thought Philly cops were
5: pricks.
2: You thought Philly cops were pricks?
1: If I wanted to check out your story, where would I be headed?
2: Castle Guernetor. And no one else knows who you are, so you'll need us to accompany you.
1: Guess we should get moving, then.
0: With that, Regan turned and strode confidently down the dim tunnel. Actually, strode may be too strong a word, as the height of the ceiling demanded a fair amount of stooping and shuffling. Still... Regan was substantially more sure-footed than those in the group, not practiced in the art of sneaking through sewers.
1: Do that many people really want you dead? The bounty on my head usually changes between substantial and obscene. I'd guess it's on the upswing right now.
3: But city guardsmen can't collect a bounty, can they? Not according to the law. Precisely my point.
1: I
4: think she's implying that they collect bounties anyway.
3: Lawmen breaking the law? That would be perverse and repugnant.
1: I take it none of you knows anywhere we could hide out for a while, huh? The road would be a bad idea right now?
3: As a matter of fact,
2: I may. Can you get us out on the east side of the city?
1: Shouldn't be a problem.
2: Do people try to kill you every day?
1: No one upstairs knows what I look like, unless an asshole like the late Keith Kelly decides to point me out. Most don't.
5: Oh, I bet you're the leader of some kind of guild of rogues, right? Like Honor Among Thieves?
1: I don't know what you heard about thieves' honor, kid, but I'm still alive because everyone knows what happens when you fuck with me.
0: Our story will now take a brief interlude back to Castle Guernatal. Arlene Redmore, the sister of Lord Ardell Redmore, was resting in her modest bedchamber. Of course, by modest, I mean the gold therein could have fed the underworld of Armströmard for a mere three months. Arlene stared out her depressingly narrow window with concern at a thin pillar of smoke on the horizon. Gwen, her handmaiden, entered the room, carrying breakfast on a tray.
1: Your breakfast, Milady. Thank you, Gwen. You can set it down over there. Remind me what I ordered quail's eggs.
4: Toasted bread with honey and boiled oats with cream, my lady.
0: Arlene smiled warmly at Gwen. In fact, all signs of her previous brooding had vanished when Gwen arrived.
1: Funny that I would order quail's eggs. I've never liked them.
0: The smile which Gwen returned to her lady was of a more mischievous variety. It became downright cheeky as Gwen plucked a quail egg from the tray and popped it into her own mouth.
1: Come,
4: sit. Have you heard anything? I wouldn't have thought anything of it if you hadn't told me to listen. But I overheard from Helga in the kitchen. Helga? She's the handmaiden to Arabella Coraline. The daughter of the court philosopher. The same, milady. Helga says Maid Coraline, the poor dear, has been plagued with nightmares as of late. Something about
1: soldiers? See if you hear any more about Lord Coraline. Thank you, Gwen. I live to serve, milady.
0: The formality of her words was for the benefit of potential eavesdroppers but the gentle touch of Gwen's hair and the small kiss on her forehead were for the benefit of the two women alone. Our party of travellers had by this point escaped from the tunnels of the city of Armstrong without detection. A light snow fell on their heads as they strolled down the narrow path between two fields, barren for the winter.
3: You say your friend owns these lands?
2: A man I knew in the army was the owner when last I was in Armstrongard and if he is no longer the owner we'll very politely explain our right to commandeer property to the new owners one way or another we need to stay out of sight for a few days
0: as they travelled our group naturally tended to segregate themselves as Nelson Jen and Billy lagged behind the rest of the group This was partially due to the fact that, as much as Jen and Billy considered themselves athletes, this claim was proving increasingly ill-founded. It was also due to Jen's disinclination to be anywhere near Irona Regan.
5: So I've been thinking about party roles and how our arrangement is not ideal.
1: Nelson, what part of our situation is ideal?
5: Ideally, the party would have exactly one of each role.
1: You sure you can trust this friend of yours?
5: Brennan is clearly the paladin. He is loyal, nearly to a fault. Regan is the rogue.
1: Dogs are loyal until someone else dangles a bigger slab of meat in front of them.
5: Mia is the cleric.
4: You know, if you want to have any kind of a good life, at some point you'll need to put faith in something.
3: Nelson, what the hell are you babbling about?
1: Well, you keep worrying about a good life, preacher lady. I'll worry about keeping my life.
3: And Yellowween is the ranger. Even if you've no concern for honor or dignity, foresight is advantageous.
1: Is there
5: a point you're trying to make here?
1: Foresight? I'm the only one here without a whole bunch of bullshit about honor and duty clouding my eyes.
5: Yeah. Billy, your fighting style is clearly going to be based on physical strength. Damn straight. Because it's not going to
2: be based on intelligence. Wait, what? But Brennan is already the physical fighter. Are you so willing to dismiss the cornerstones of civilization?
1: No, Brennan. I'm willing to dismiss civilization.
2: I'm clearly predisposed to magic, but Nia does magic.
1: Without civilization, man reverts to his beast-like instincts. Beast-like? A hound fucks a bitch without shame and then sticks around to help feed the litter. Men could use some more beast-like instincts.
5: Though I suppose, if need be, I could focus on dark magic.
1: Don't joke about such
4: things, child.
5: And Jen, I really have no idea what your role is in all of this. Your agility and overly revealing outfit kind of peg you as a rogue.
1: You told me to wear this outfit.
5: Good point. You're not really as self-reliant as most Rose. Why don't I self rely
0: your teeth into your throat, you All little... All
1: that outfit marks her as is an easy kill.
0: The blunt assessment of Jen's mortality struck the three children hard, especially Jen herself. After a tense moment of silence, Jen stormed off ahead of the group. Honey, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Billy ran after Jen. Yiluin moved to follow. Let them go but
2: keep them in sight. Was that necessary?
1: What? It's shitty armor.
2: Have you no heart at all? That girl's terrified of you. Don't let her get to you, babe. She's probably just on the rag.
1: She almost killed me. Why? I didn't even cut her.
2: She's not like us.
1: Whoa you there, just... Grandpa. What us? I'm not anything
4: like you. You're not very close with your traveling companions.
5: They're not really my companions. We just kind of wound up together.
4: They don't treat you very kindly, do they?
5: Jen's OK on her own but if Billy gets on a roll, she doesn't do much to stop him.
2: I was right there, Jenny. I wasn't going to let anything.
1: Billy, stop. Just leave it be, okay?
2: You and I don't take every blade at our throats personally. Most people do.
1: Most people are badly mistaken about what kind of world we live in.
2: And why does that bother you so?
0: The remainder of the trip passed in a rather awkward silence. Eventually, the group reached their destination which turned out to be a large, run-down farmhouse. One of my friend sprites insists that this particular farmhouse was once beautiful and prosperous. Its present state led me to believe that this friend is a liar.
1: Well, well, well. The king's man knows how to slum it. Not for anything general, but this doesn't seem like any place to bring a princess.
0: I told you, god damn you! After the next harvest- The bellowing voice belonged to the owner of the farm, a man by the name of Bowen Briarhelm. Briarhelm had been fit once. He had been wealthy once. He had been drinking recently. He had arrived at the door wielding a woodcutter's ax. Upon seeing Brennan, he lowered the weapon although he did not loosen his grip on the handle.
2: Good morning, Captain Briarhelm. Ach, and
0: bugger me! The group soon found themselves seated around a cracked table in the farmhouse. There were not enough seats for everyone, so Briarhelm stood in a corner. When I prayed last night, I'd swore I'd rather see anyone at my door than another tax collector. I guess I lied. Have you no sense of duty to the realm?
2: Leave this to me, Kaldir. We are sorry to impose on you like this. We have coin to compensate you for the use of your property. And if you're having trouble with
0: your debts, you'll pay exactly what I'd charge a boarder. No less, no more. Piss on your charity, Brennan. You can stay in the barn.
2: A barn? You're shitting me. Shut up. Do you still keep an armory? I don't maintain most of it, but yes. We'd like to purchase some of your arms as well, to train my squires here. Wait, for real? You have girl squires now, camp followers.
0: Briarhelm weighed his incredulity at this statement against his history with Brennan. Let me go fetch the armory key.
4: I thought you said he was your friend.
2: I said I knew him in the army. Everyone know Meet me by the barn. We'll not be ungracious guests.
0: Fuck this, man. At least you get a matches in Pennsylvania. Billy's protests aside, the group trudged out. As the rest of the group left the room, Brennan pulled Regan back for a private word with her. All things considered,
1: I think it's
2: best if Captain Brier. I don't care
1: what you tell your little friend there, Brennan. As long as nobody else finds out I'm here, we don't have a problem.
0: Regan left, and Bowen returned from upstairs. I don't believe for a second that they're squires and camp followers. Bowen, save your breath. King's secrets, I know. But if there's any more trouble here, it will ruin me. If trouble is going to find them. If what we've been through together means anything to you, tell me now. The two men stared at each other for quite some time, as Brennan considered the best way to lie to the man whose history did in fact mean something to him.
2: There's nothing to worry about.
0: Good. I can give you the barn for a week. Then I need to make preparations for planting. That will be fine. My armory's in the cellar behind the house. Here's the key.
2: Thank you, Bowen.
0: For additional information and bonus content, access onceandfuturenerd.com on your computer machine. The Once and Future Nerd is written and created by Zach Glass and Christian Madeira. It is performed by Garrett Armin, Hayes Dunlop, Anya Gibeon, Ian Harkins, Emily Kukuk, Frank Queris, Julie Reed, Perry Strong, and Dylan Yuremovich. It is co-executive produced by Jess Kelly and directed and edited by Christian Madeira.
3: Production sound engineering is done by Gary O'Keefe
0: with dialogue editing and foley by Tommy Stang and post-production mixing and sound design by Sandra Ramirez. Theme music is composed by Tom Lee. Thanks for downloading.